Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. You know, I love these shows. The new rules are in effect. Got that? Got some more Spygate stuff. Mike Flynn's lawyers dropped another bomb yesterday. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Ladies and gentlemen, don't let others track what you do online. Keep yourself safe at expressvpn.com slash Bongino, expressvpn.com slash Bongino. All right, folks, I am getting a little tired of this argument by a very limited number of people, not you all in my audience. It's not a lecture by any stretch, who don't understand the fight we're in. We got to be nice and cute with the Democrats. You be nice and cute. I'm done with that. Those days are long gone. When the Democrats are ready to stop calling us horrible names, traitors, treasonous, racist, misogynist, you've been through the litany of nonsense, then I'm willing to roast s'mores with them and get back at the table. Until then, the verdict is in and the new rules are in effect. Again, that and a lot more. Welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? Fine, sir. All right, all right, all right. And listen, shut your gob. We're not going to be nice anymore. That's right. That's right. Which is ironic because today there is a heavy, heavy, that was not planned, by the way. No. British tint to the show. Well, I did not. Right, I'm then. not messing with you, Joe. Just randomly threw in one no of his clue. Uh, characters there. <laughs> you will. You'll see what I'm getting to later. This is gonna. No this is gonna nuke your bagels, not just bake them. Today's show brought to you by our buddies at NetSuite, ladies and gentlemen. What do companies like Ring, Hint, and Tacovas all have in common? What? They all use NetSuite to accelerate their growth. Successful companies know that in order to grow faster, you must have the right tools. Whether you're doing a million, 10 million, or hundreds of millions in revenue, uh, NetSuite by Oracle gives you the tools you need to accelerate your growth. With NetSuite, you get a full picture of your business, finance, inventory, HR, customers, and a whole lot more. It's everything you need to grow. We use it here, all in one place. Super easy to use. Fantastic for my business. Use it right from your phone or your computer. NetSuite will give you the visibility and control you need to make the right decisions and grow your business with confidence. That's why NetSuite customers, get a load of this, grow faster than the S&P 500. Sounds nice, doesn't it? NetSuite is the world's number one cloud business system trusted by more than 19,000 companies. It's the last system you will ever need. NetSuite business grows here. Schedule your free product tour right now. Receive your free guide, seven key strategies to grow your profits at netsuite.com slash Bongino, B-O-N-G-I-N-O. That's netsuite.com slash Bongino, netsuite.com slash Bongino. Go today. All right, Joe, let's go. All right. All right. Before I get to this Spygate bombshell from Sidney Powell, Mike Flynn's lawyer, who is really done playing games. This is actually a segue, too, because uh, this is a new rules segment, right? The new rules are in effect. Sidney Powell's right. into the new rules, too, which Good. is you want to throw a right cross. We're going to left hook and then we're going to kidney punch you in the process, too. I like that. <laughs> nice. So before we get to that, I was on last night. Uh, some of you may have seen it. Some of you may not have. It doesn't matter. But I was on last night on uh, Hannity on Fox uh, with Geraldo, my typical Tuesday, Thursday segment, which I always encourage you to watch. We love, uh, you know, I work over at Fox. And I debate Geraldo Tuesdays and Thursdays. Sometimes we agree, sometimes we don't. Um, but last night we had an interesting segment. It was about Bloomberg. And I got some emails on it. Matter of fact, a lot. Some of you actually in defense of Geraldo, which I get. And the gist of the segment was this. Bloomberg keeps stepping on rakes. Rake, boom, boom. face, right? Yeah. <laughs> Everywhere he goes. These, these, these clips, Joe, keep surfacing of Bloomberg, who's running as a Democrat, obviously for president. You all right. know, I assume. Right. These clips keep surfacing of Bloomberg saying these things, which are politically verboten. You're not supposed to say. All right. 
I'm just telling you, if you're a Democrat, these are things no one is supposed to air. That farmers are are are, are dopey. All you got to do is put a seed in the ground, which is obviously ridiculous. Anybody who understands the technology and farming these days know that. Clearly not Bloomberg. Yeah. Bloomberg's talk about in in black neighborhoods that you got to you just throw a few kids up against the wall. And a couple of people emailed me because Geraldo was defending Bloomberg and I was going after him. Fair enough. I like your emails, by the way. Don't take this the wrong way. It's not an attack or a lecture. It's simply feedback. You give me feedback. I give you mine. That's the way the show works, right? I think that's why our show is popular. I listen to you. You listen to me. But some people were defending Geraldo saying, well, Bloomberg's just speaking the truth and this is just reverse virtue signaling. No, 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 no. Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready for this fight ahead? I'm serious. I'm not, you know, I, I know these, these, sometimes these new rule segments can take a sarcastic tone, but as a serious question, it's not that, not that the majority of my audience, but I, I, to some out there who are still convinced that somehow taking the high road and not using the Democrats' own weapons against them is going to lead to some peaceful kumbaya moment in the future. Yeah, right. I am here to tell you assuredly, you are wrong. Remember the golden rule here. Conservatives think liberals are people with bad ideas. The modern day liberal thinks a conservative is a bad person with ideas. There is a huge chasm between those two positions that cannot be reconciled by following the old rules. The old rules being if we're just civil and we give Bloomberg a pass, all right, stop and frisk work, which it did in many respects. Stop and frisk, by the way, isn't even a policy. It's a Terry frisk, but that's a whole other debate. Mm -hmm. But he just worded it poorly. And if we give him a pass, everything will be okay. And, you know, what Bloomberg said about farmers, you know, he didn't really mean it that way. That was Geraldo's take on it, which is fine. Again, I don't have any personal beef with Geraldo. I enjoy our debates. You give him a pass. I'm not giving anybody a pass. The new rules are in effect. The Democrats want to malign and destroy the character of any Republican who says anything, even remotely. I mean, Donald Trump gave, gave speeches where, quote, I completely condemn these white supremacists. And to this day, that is still used against them as an attack. Yeah. He didn't condemn them. No, you're right. He completely condemned them. The new rules are in effect. You want to use class warfare on identity politics against us, where you demonize wealth and you accuse every Republican of being a racist, no matter what they say, we are going to turn those rules against, against you, P period, full stop. I'm going to do, you don't have to do that. That's okay. I'm going to do that because I'm interested in saving the country. And when the Democrats want to declare a rapprochement here and smoke the peace pipe, fine. We can go back to the old rules, Robert's rule of rules of order, whatever you want to call them, civility, where we treat each other with respect. Fine. I am not going to treat with respect or dignity anyone, anyone who maligns my character and calls me an istophobic phobophobe. Misogynist, you all get the nonsense. I'm not doing that. And I'm strongly encouraging you as my listeners to not do it either. These people aren't worthy of respect. When they show themselves to be worthy of respect and they're willing to debate, with, to debate with you ideas and not categorize you as a bad person with ideas, rather a person with ideas they don't agree with and they're willing to debate the ideas and not your character, 
if you've shown no evidence of the traits they, they, they try to impugn upon you, racism and whatever, when they want to debate ideas, we can go back to the old rules and smoking the peace pipe. Until then, nobody gets a pass. I'm sorry. Bloomberg wants to run as a Democrat where class warfare and identity politics are the rules, then you're not allowed to be a billionaire and you're not allowed ever to say things like we throw black kids up against the wall, which, by the way, is offensive anyway. Mm-hmm. That's not me like trying to torture his words. Those are his words. You don't talk about people like that. I'm sorry. I agree with Bloomberg at stop and frisk until he changed his mind, which isn't even a policy. Again, it's a simple Terry frisk. But you don't talk about people like that. I'm sorry. It's not virtue signaling. You know, we toss a few of them up against, what are you, some kind of a maniac? This isn't tango and cash, some kind of like cop movies, the real world. You're the mayor. You're the mayor of a big city. You're not a tyrant. You're not talking about throwing people up against the wall. It's not virtue signaling. He gets no pass on that. Leader of the biggest city in the world, or one of them. Talk about citizens who elected you that way. That's not virtue signaling, folks. Why does he get a pass? He's a Democrat, and we're trying to show him what? We're the better people by letting that go? How? If a Republican said that, they'd be in jail right now, probably. Damn right. Now, I got more on this, Joe. New rules. You're not allowed to be a billionaire if you're going to run as a Democrat. Now, I'm sorry. If your bedrock principles are class warfare, that the accumulation of wealth is an inherently bad thing, that means you're a bad person. I don't think that those are your rules. But as long as they're your rules, then the new rules that we play by your rules are in effect. Hence, you're a bad person by your definition, not mine. New rules, your definitions, your rules are now in effect. Billionaires, very bad. So in case you don't believe these people are total frauds and hypocrites, we are going to apply their rules until they're willing to go back to the old rules, which is normal discussions about things like ideas. Listen to Bernie Sanders here. Here's this video of Bernie. This is who this guy really is. This fraud phony, demonizing wealth, demonizing capitalism. And he's doing it in a circuitous kind of way here in this older clip of Bernie, where he celebrates the Soviet Union, where accumulations of wealth are not allowed. Listen to him talk about the Soviet Union. Oh, it's so wonderful. The theaters and the puppets and everything. It's so great. Listen to this fraud, fake phony. This is who this guy really is. Check this out. I think it's also fair to point out that when we were in Moscow, for example, I think most of the people here also were extremely impressed by their public transportation system. The stations themselves were absolutely beautiful, uh, including many works of art, chandeliers that were beautiful. It was a very, very effective system. Also, I was impressed by the youth programs that they have, uh, their palaces of, of, of culture for, for the young people, a whole variety of young uh, of programs for young people and cultural programs which go far beyond what we do in this country. Uh, we went to a, a, uh, a theater in Yaroslavl, which was absolutely beautiful, had three separate stages where cultural programs are put on by professional actors and actresses, including a puppeteer uh, area. And the cost, the highest price of the ticket that you can get was the equivalent of $1.50. Hmm. Joe, yeah. they had puppets in the Soviet Union. Yes, puppets. they do. Yeah. yeah. Forget about the gulags. Circuses, yeah. You ever read uh, 
Solzhenitsyn, the Gulag Archipelago. Mm -hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't read that book, it'll change your life. Where they talk about how people were randomly put in prison. You ever, you ever read the book, folks? It's a long book. Solzhenitsyn wrote it. It's a very famous book. A lot of you, yeah, of course, already heard ago. of it. Yeah. I don't, I don't, yeah, it's a, yeah, very, it's an old book. But it's called The Gulag Archipelago. And it is an inside account of what the Soviet Union, what the Soviets and the communists did to people. If you were ratted out for being a uh, non-complier or a potential dissident, I mean, keep in mind, this was all rumor. Like you just said, hey, I don't like Joe. Uh, Joe doesn't like communism. You found yourself in the gulag yep. where they stack people so thick. Solzhenitsyn's descriptions are devastating. So thick in cells with a bucket to do your business in, if you know what I mean, mm -hmm. and barely edible food to keep you alive. They stacked them so that they would sleep on the concrete cold floors and they all had to move at the same time because there was no room to switch your position on the concrete floor. That's the so, but they had puppets. They had puppets. The Soviet Union, not that that was an act or anything. You know, Kim Jong-un has a way of showcasing, look at me. He puts a people, hey, they all celebrate and they wear their Sunday best. And mm -hmm. then the minute they take off those clothes, we need them for the soldiers. And they whip them and tell them to get back in the gulag. This is Bernie, this fraud dope celebrating this. This guy's running for president of the United States and is the lead candidate for the Democrats right now. So he's celebrating a system where the accumulation of wealth is banned. Communism. From each according to their abilities to each according to their needs. You know the rules. No wealth. It's not capitalism. You're not allowed to work hard, accumulate wealth and pass it on. None of that. You will distribute it to each according to their needs. Their motto, not mine. So you would think if that's the real Bernie Sanders, then of course Bernie Sanders, if he's not a fraud, would be living this kind of lifestyle himself. Now, keep in mind, I have no problem with Bernie Sanders' accumulation of wealth, but we're not playing by my rules anymore. We're playing by the new rules, which are your rules. Your rules, Democrats, are class warfare is to be instituted at all times, and millionaires and billionaires are the enemy. Yeah. The new rules are in effect. And they're your rules. Let's go to this piece by the Wall Street Journal. Clearly, Bernie Sanders isn't a millionaire because he loves the Soviet Union and communism where there are no millionaires because the new rules say those are really bad people. Well, when you go to the Wall Street Journal piece today, you'll figure out that Bernie Sanders, of course, is a colossal fraud. Here's a piece by James Freeman in today's WSJ, how Bloomberg and Sanders made their fortunes. <laughs> He quotes Forbes later down in the piece, James Freeman, in case you think, well, the Wall Street Journal is relatively right-leaning. Well, Forbes isn't. Forbes can be left-leaning at times. Did a little thing on Bernie Sanders' accumulation of wealth. And this Chaz Peterson Withorn wrote last year in Forbes magazine about the finances of Vermont socialist Bernie Sanders. Quote, Sanders has, in fact, amassed an estimated $2.5 million fortune from real estate, investments, government pensions, and earning earnings. You're not allowed to have earnings. He's a communist. And earnings from three books, including the 2016 hit Our Revolution, A Future to Believe in, which ironically, they go later in the piece, they go down. He has actually used, apparently, campaign funds to buy his own books. In other words, the bulk sales, the New York Times, <laughs> lyingly accused me of on my book, Exonerated, which has no bulk sales at all. None. Fact. Right. I remember. Remember that? The bulk yeah. We have zero bulk sales. Zero. They made it up. Bernie Sanders' campaign actually bought his own book. 
If you donated to Bernie's campaign, you de facto made him rich off his million-dollar book deal. Sucker. But he's got puppets. They got puppets. We should have titled this show today. They got puppets. They got puppets. <laughs> that would have been should have. They got puppets. It's a punch and puppets. Bernie show. <laughs> punch and Bernie. <laughs> Unbelievable. Dude. Unbelievable. <laughs> Sorry. Dude. They got puppets. The new rules are in effect. And the new rules are the Democrats' rules. Bernie Sanders is by his own definition <laughs> an evil, awful person. Millionaires and billionaires. He is one. There you go. He's a total phony. He's a total fraud in every respect. I don't want to hear one more word from a conservative commentator about how Bernie, at least he's authentic. Now that's virtue signaling. He's not authentic. He's the biggest fraud in the field. You know who's authentic? Biden. He's authentically dopey. Yeah. And he really does dumb stuff. It's authentic and it is dopey. Bernie's a fraud. He's a total fraud. New rules, again, are in effect. What are the new rules here on this one? I'm going to move on from Bernie for a second. Democrats, are, remember, their rules are the rules now. We've been told, Joe, the Logan Act is a big deal. The Logan Act, what are oh, you talking yeah. about? Remember when yeah. Mike Flynn, uh -huh. he was the incoming national security advisor. He called the, the uh, Russian ambassador. He was the incoming national security advisor for the huh. president. Why would he not call a nuclear power? And the Sally Yates, this fraud in the Justice Department at the time, ran to the White House and said, we got a problem when Donald Trump, when, when Trump uh, swore in. This guy could be guilty of negotiating with foreigners when he was the incoming, not the national security advisor. So there's an issue here. He could have violated the Logan Act. Sally Yates is another colossal tier one level phony fraud and embarrassment to our Justice Department. A disgrace. Sally Yates has said absolutely nothing. So just to be clear, the Democrats' new rules, folks, are that anyone negotiating with a foreign government without the imprimatur of the United States, the permission of the United States may be guilty of a crime, the Logan Act, which is obviously unconstitutional. But I don't care anymore about that. Mm -hmm. You want your, your rules, not mine. Let's go to this piece in the Federalist, because sure enough, Democrats aren't negotiating behind the country's back with enemies of the United States. They said this is no good, that this is a crime. Surely, surely that's not happening. Crazy scoop by Molly Hemingway in the Federalist. Be in the show notes today. Must read story. Go to Bongino.com. It's right there. Go to Bongino.com slash newsletter. I'll email this to you every morning. Source. Democrat Senator Chris Murphy held secret meeting in Munich with the Iranian foreign minister, Javad Zarif. Huh? <laughs> huh? So just to be clear. Yeah. This hack fraud Murphy from Connecticut. Democrat Senator. Phony. Phony fraud buffoon goes to Munich and allegedly with John Kerry, who is not an official of the United States government anymore, behind the back of the United States government, meets with the death to America guy, the Iranians. And yet Mike Flynn, who was the national security advisor incoming, who calls a nuclear power 
to discuss what's going to happen coming up with the Trump team. He's guilty of a Logan Act violation, but not Murphy. No, no, new rules. This guy needs to be prosecuted. Yeah. Oh, we can't do that. It's unconstitutional. No, no, it's not our rules. It's not our rules. It's their rules. Let them come out against it. At minimum, there should be an investigation. Why not? Flynn could be going to jail on an investigation initiated on the exact same premises legally, but the complete opposite premises morally. New rules are in effect, folks. Write your congressman. Chris Murphy needs to be under investigation. At minimum, an ethics violation. At minimum. They're rules, folks. But Dan, does the Constitution matter? You know what? Let me answer that question for you. No. <gasps> Daniel. Oh. Daniel. Blasphemy. You can't say that. No. You can't say the Constitution matters. No, it doesn't. I'm going to let you sit on that for a minute. The Constitution, ladies and gentlemen, is the, our Constitution, is the greatest governing document in the history of humankind. But ladies and gentlemen, it's only a piece of paper. It is. Is there, was anything I'm saying inaccurate? Is it, a, is it a transformer, an automaton, a robot? Is it like Ultron from the Avengers? Does it live? Does it breathe? No. It is a piece of paper. And that piece of paper is supposed to be an agreement between the people we elect and us. That constitution is meaningless if it, an agreement only applies to people of the Republican Party but doesn't apply to the Democrats. It's worthless. You might as well use it for tissue paper. Can't say that about the Constitution. I'm not. The Democrats are. I believe in that document. But the document is meaningless unless it applies to both sides. And this nonsense that somehow we're going to get back to a civil society if we give the Democrats a constant pass and we play cutesy with them is garbage. They will learn their lesson when the rules they want to institute in violation of the agreement are turned on them. You want to play class warfare? We'll play it too. Society will disintegrate. It's disintegrating now. The president of the United States was spied on by the opposition political party. What are you waiting for? People to be in jail? Oh, that happened too. Manafort, we have the stone sentencing. They want to put the guy in jail till he's dead. What are you waiting for? The trenches are now. We're in the trenches right now. You're waiting for what? The lineup? Fire! The old Brit. That's This is guerrilla warfare, what's going on. You're going to be wiped out. The Logan Act is on the books. We think it's unconstitutional? Charge Chris Murphy with it. Let him take it all the way to court. Hopefully it does get deemed unconstitutional, but the Democrats are telling us it's the real deal. They nailed Mike Flynn with it. Sally Yates, a Democrat. She's not a real, she's a fake. She's a, she's, a, she's a lawyer in name only. Yes, she's a trained lawyer, no question, but she's not acting as one. She's acting as a politician. They believe the Logan Act is real. Charge Murphy with it. What are they going to do, say? What are they going to say, Democrat? No, the Logan Act isn't real now? We have them on tape talking about Mike Flynn and the Logan Act. Wait till you get to segment two here. Again, on the, what are we waiting for? Again, I'm not talking about this, folks. Believe me, this isn't any. You guys are with me and ladies out there. But there are some stragglers out there and some in the media ecosystem who listen to the show who are still somehow convinced that if we play nice, that this is all going to go away. 
It's not. It's not. It's going to get worse. It has gotten worse. They moved from spying to a dishonest Mueller probe to impeaching the president to trying to put a guy associated with the president in jail until he's dead. What are you waiting for? Again, not a lecture. Please don't take that the wrong way. Because I know some people in the audience are like, well, why are you talking? I'm not, I'm just putting it out there. So you're aware of what's going on with a small segment of our party. I get the emails, folks. A lot of you don't. It's the only reason I put it out there. I'm telling you, there are people convinced if we play cutesy and get Bloomberg a pass and Bernie a pass and Murphy a pass for his Logan Act violation, that eventually we'll get back to this one day. We'll get back to civility. We won't. All right. I want to move on to the Spygate thing because this is, <laughs> is going to get good. All right. Today's show also brought to you by our friends at Stamps.com. Listen, we'd be lost here at Bongino Inc. without Stamps.com. We have to mail out a lot of things. Books, contracts, everything. We trust Stamps.com for our business. You know why? We don't like waiting at long lines at the po post office and we want to save money and time. It's really simple. Postage rates have gone up again. Thankfully, Stamps.com eases the pain with big discounts of, of post office re retail rates. With stamps.com, you save five cents off every first class stamp and up to 40% off shipping rates. That's a lot of money, folks. This kind of savings adds up, especially for small businesses like ours. Stamps.com is completely online. It saves you time. No more inconvenient trips to the post office. Stamps.com brings all the services of the U.S. post office right to your computer. Whether you're a small office sending invoices, an online seller, or even a warehouse sending out thousands of packages a day, stamps.com is for you, handles it all with ease. Simply use your computer, print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send it. Once your mail is ready, hand it to your mail carrier, drop it in a mailbox, done. Stamps.com not only saves you time, it saves you money too. That's big with us. You get discounted postage rates. You can't even get at the post office. Not to mention it's a fraction of the cost of those expensive postage meters and there's no equipment to lease, no long-term commitment. Stamps.com is a no-brainer. Save time and money. 700,000 small businesses are already using Stamps.com and saving time and money. Right now, our listeners get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale without any long-term commitment. Just go to Stamps.com Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in Dan, D-A-N. Stamps.com. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in Dan and you'll get that special discount. All right, folks. I appreciate that. As always, thanks for your patience. So yesterday, Sidney Powell, again, talking about how someone, uh, Sidney's playing by the new rules too, which is you want to mess around, we're going to mess around too. Is the lawyer for Lieutenant General Mike Flynn, who in a nice segue from that last, I mean, you know, was prosecuted by the disingenuine, disingenuous police state supporters uh, and pushed by Sally Yates and other police state supporters um, because he allegedly violated the Logan Act, by which was total nonsense and was interviewed at the White House about it when he was the national security advisor. And the FBI during the interview said, hey, we don't think he was lying, but then charged him with lying to the FBI. What a scam. So. I've been telling you for a long time, this has been about Mike Flynn the whole time. Right. And let me just get the headline out first. This, and when I say this, I mean the spying scandal on Trump. Mike Flynn was a target. The CIA, ladies and gentlemen, under John Brennan and the intelligence community, follow me here. I'm going to lay this out for you piece by piece. Wanted to take out Mike Flynn as early as 2014. Mike Flynn, Lieutenant General Mike Flynn, this is critical, was a big-time opponent of the Iran deal, the signature foreign policy initiative of the Obama administration. Mike Flynn understood early and vocally how dangerous 
the Iran deal and appeasing the death to America Iranians Senator Chris Murphy, Democrat, just met with, potentially illegally, maybe in violation of the Logan Act, he understood early how devastating this deal would be. He also was vocally coming out in his circle about how dangerous politics infiltrating our intelligence community was. Please understand this because this is a critical takeaway. He is a lead intelligence official in the Obama administration, Mike Flynn. Mm -hmm. The Obama administration, he was the deputy, he was the uh, director, excuse me, of the Defense Intelligence Administration, the DIA, mm -hmm. our military correlate to the CIA. He is up there. He senses that politics are starting to infiltrate our intelligence. Really? That the Obama administration is using our intelligence community to go after political opponents. Remember that story about John Brennan and the spying on Capitol Hill? And why were they spying on Capitol Hill? Because mm -hmm. they wanted to find out if there was any opponents of the Iran deal. Flynn knew about all of this. Right. And he was sounding the siren. Folks, we got a problem. Obama's team is using our intel communities as a weapon. He's speaking out against the Iran deal. And finally, Mike Flynn had been speaking out from 2014 and earlier how al-Qaeda was not a dying threat. Remember the Obama administration, their re-election campaign? I brought this up the other day. Mm -hmm. Al-Qaeda's dead and GM is alive. That was their tagline. Mm -hmm. Flynn was sounding the alarm saying, that's not true. Al-Qaeda's not dead. They're damaged, but they're not dead. Mike Flynn was public enemy number one to the Obama administration. Not coincidentally, during the presidential transition period when Barack Obama meets with President Trump, I mean, excuse me, President-elect Trump, President Obama, during the transition after the election, Trump wins, meets with President-elect Trump. Not a coincidence that the only person he brings up to Trump in the meeting that President Obama says he's worried about. You need to get rid of this guy. Is who? Mike Flynn. Mm -hmm. This guy had a target on his back as early as 2014. He was being spied on by the Obama team using foreign sources. Whoa, whoa. I'm going to get to the Sidney Powell finding in a minute, but I got to set this up where the filing's not going to make any sense because she knows what I'm telling you. For a little history on this, what are we talking about again? Obama targeted Flynn, weaponized intel to do it. And it, to circumvent our laws against doing that, they use foreigners to hit him. Let's go to this Chuck Ross piece, fine reporter at the Daily Caller, in the show notes again today. It's a 2019 piece, but as always on my show notes, it's worth reading again today. Check this piece out. I'm going to go to a few little takeaways from it. Chuck Ross, Daily Caller, former British spy man, British spymaster, has flown under radar in Russia probe despite links to key figures. The core takeaway from this Chuck Ross piece is that the Obama administration was using this United Kingdom spy chief, Richard Dearlove, uh -huh. to hammer their political opponents, notably Mike Flynn. Let's go to takeaway number one from this Chuck Ross piece as we walk through this. Richard Dearlove, who served as chief of MI6, their spy agency, from 1999 to 2004. Richard Dearlove had contact during the 2016 campaign with dossier author Christopher Steele 
We'll get to that in a little bit, too. Stick with Flynn for a minute. He's also a close colleague of Stefan Halper. He is? You mean the guy assigned by the FBI to spy on a Trump team? Yeah, that guy. The alleged FBI and CIA informant who established contact with several Trump campaign advisors. Wonder how that happened. Dear Love and Halper attended a Cambridge political event in July of 2016 where Halper had contact with Trump campaign advisor Carter Page. Wow. So we got this, this United Kingdom spy master, Dear Love, <coughs> excuse me, who's tied to Halper. They work together at Cambridge University. And Halper spying on the Trump team? Halper, dear love, back to the United States, launder the information. Huh, crazy how that happens. Let's go mm. to the second takeaway from this Chuck Ross. I saw you there. She's moving the finger. You got to stay quick on the tree. Second takeaway from the Chuck Ross piece. The retired British spy master, talking about dear love, also hosted, along with Halper, whoa, an event at Cambridge in 2014, 2014, attended by Mike Flynn who served at the time as the director of the Defense Intelligence Agency. Sorry, I said administration before. Dear Love and Halper are reported to have expressed concerns about Flynn's contact at the event with Svetlana Lakova, a mm -hmm. Russian-born student at Cambridge. Those warnings were somehow shared with American intelligence. Charges Lakova vehemently denies, and I believe her. So to be clear, back in 2014, before Spygate, as we know, it even started. This British spy master, dear love, who's friends with the spy, the FBI is using to spy on the Trump team, shows up at a dinner in 2014 with that spy, Halper, where Mike Flynn's invited, and all of a sudden leaks from that dinner start to happen during the presidential campaign. And hey, back at that 2014 dinner, Mike Flynn was given the eyeball to this Russian-born academic. Could have been collusion. Mm -hmm. A charge denied by everybody there, and nobody from the DIA who knew about the event said there was anything suspicious about it at all. In other words, it was BS. But somehow, from that dinner come charges of Russian collusion. Mike Flynn, 2014. Here's a photo, by the way, courtesy of in the Daily Caller piece, Svetlana Lakova, again, who was at that dinner. Oh, look, there's Mike Flynn with Dear Love. Oh, yeah. Oh, crazy. And then you got this guy, Christopher Andrew, in the back room, and then the background of the picture, who's believed to be, alleged to be in some reporting, the source of some of these rumors that at this dinner, you can see the picture of here. If you want to see the actual picture, youtube.com slash Bongino, or just go to the article in the show notes. He's, he's believed to be or alleged to be one of the sources of the rumors. That Flynn was engaged in some shenanigans with Lakova at this dinner. Again, a charge so ridiculous, it's barely worth repeating. So now we've established some background when we get to the Sidney Pyle memo filed yesterday. That Mike Flynn was a target of Spygate as far back as 2014 and was sounding the alarm. Someone in the intelligence community Johnny B, Johnny Boom Bots, otherwise known as Johnny Brennan, had a big fat bullseye on Mike Flynn's back as far back as 2014. And what an opening provided when Mike Flynn starts speaking out for the Trump campaign and then later becomes his choice for national security advisor. What an opening to open this Russian collusion case, not just on Flynn. He was colluding with Lakova at the dinner. So stupid.
But now we can just transfer that over to the Trump team. So what happened? Sidney Powell files this legal finding, uh, uh, filing yesterday in the Flynn case. Remember, they withdrew his guilty plea because he's not guilty. And in there is a fascinating timeline, which addresses a lot of the things I've been talking about. I'm not going to do the whole thing over, but I want to point out one specific point in this timeline. So on August 10th, we know the FBI opens up Crossfire Hurricane, the spying operation into the Trump team, their case, on July 31st, which is in this timeline here. Mm-hmm. But there's a little nugget in here that I haven't talked about that I should. I haven't talked about enough. We mentioned it, but not enough. We know on August 10th, they open up on three specific targets, Paul Manafort, Carter Page, and George Papadopoulos. Sorry, took a second to remember those three. The case is open July 31st, but on August 10th, they open up on three specific targets. But notably, I keep this up for a minute here, notably on August 10th, they don't open up on Mike Flynn yet. Well, notice what happens on August 11th on Sidney Powell's timeline. The day after the FBI opens up cases on everyone but Flynn. Quote from Powell's filing, August 11, 2016. The FBI agents met with Stefan Halper. Wait, the guy at the 2014 dinner with Mike Flynn with the UK spymaster? The dinner where it was alleged Flynn was colluding with the Russians? No. They meet with him, the FBI, the day after on August 11th? Gosh, that's really weird. You come back. Let me tell you what really happened. Can I just throw it out there? Because sometimes I explain this stuff to Paula before the show. And she's just just laying it out for me. What do you think happened? So August 10th comes around. The case has been open for about 10 days. The CIA has been pushing the FBI to open the case, saying we have evidence from a source about Russian collusion. But the CIA doesn't tell the FBI when they're prodding them to open the case through Harry Reid and others. Because remember, John Brennan briefs Harry Reid about Russian collusion. Trump's colluding with the Russians. Don't ever forget this. Harry Reid in August then goes and writes a letter to the FBI saying, you need to open up a case on Trump against this Russian collusion. And he puts information in the letter only in the dossier, which he clearly got from Brennan. But Brennan says he didn't see the dossier till December. He's lying. He's lying. Because they lied to the FBI. They told the FBI they had a credible source that Trump was colluding with the Russians. And the whole time, ladies and gentlemen, it's clear as day, it was Halper and Steele. It was the same Steele dossier stuff. Brennan lied and said he didn't see it till December. It is so obvious. So what happens here? On August 10th, finally, the FBI starts targeting specific people for FISA's. Manafort, they're getting the information on Manafort, clearly from the White House operation being uh, being conducted with Alexandra Chalupa the fake whistleblower, where they're getting information from Ukraine about Manafort and the fake black ledger about these cash payments, which is the bunk. So they think they have enough on Manafort. It's all nonsense, but they start anyway. They think they have enough on Page because remember, they they manipulated evidence. Remember the FBI lawyer? Page was working with the CIA to target Russian assets. The FBI lawyer changes that to indicate that the Page was interacting with these Russians not as a source for our government, but basically making it look like he's working with Russian agents. So they got enough on page. Right. Papadopoulos, they think they have enough on because they know back in March, contrary to their statements, that he met with Downer. 
the Australian, and said this thing about Russian emails, allegedly. So they have enough nonsense. It's all BS to open up on those three. But they really want Flynn. The CIA and John Brennan want Flynn, and Andy McCabe, who can't stand Flynn, they want Flynn. He's the prize. So what happens? The CIA probably gets wind on August 10th. Hey, man, they opened up cases, but not on Flynn. What? So I wrote down here. I can only imagine John Brennan. Here's my quote. I'm not messing with it. I wrote this down. What? No Mike Flynn? That's, that's Brennan's. We got to get Flynn. Flynn opposes my Iran deal. He's been exposing my CIA for acting politically and not in an intelligence thing. This is all about Flynn. How do you not open up on Flynn? I've got an idea. Let me poke and prod my political friends and my FBI buddies. Maybe you should interview our pal Halper. The next day, shocker. The same spy who's been working with this British spy master who's clearly passing information back to the United States about Flynn since 2014. This spy shows up the next day in the FBI office and they're stunned by how much he knows. Stunned. You got that CNN piece? We'll cue that up for a second before we get to the text. Just to show you, because you say, well, Dan, you haven't made the connection between dear love and the, I'm, I'm absolutely sure at this point that an intelligence channel, back channel was opened up between the United Kingdom and John Brennan. You don't believe me? Just look at CNN's own reporting. You don't have to believe my reporting. CNN, Jim Shudo, April of 2017. British intelligence passed Trump Associates communications with Russians onto U.S. counterparts. There, there's the channel right there. What was Dear Love's role in that? Oh, oh, that's the $64 quadrillion question. Paula, do you follow me here? Joe? You following yeah, me? I'm right with you, man. Mm -hmm. August 10th, they open up on these three guys. The CIA wants Flynn. There is no doubt in my mind. They go to the bureau. Why didn't you open up on Flynn? We don't have anything on Flynn. We got a guy who's got something on Flynn. Why don't you interview our buddy Halper, who just magically shows up the next day? By the way, Halper, who knows Dear Love, the British spy master, I believe, involved in this whole back channel of illicit information. Dear Love also vouches not only for Halper publicly. He says, uh, hey, Halper's a good patriot. Dear Love's a pal. That's his buddy from Cambridge, the spy, who was at that dinner in 2014 on Flynn for these malicious allegations. Mm -hmm. But Dear Love is also friends with Christopher Steele who he vouches for in, I believe, a Washington Post piece. It's in that Daily Caller piece. Publicly, it says, Steele's great. Conveniently, on August 10th, right after they open up a case, the FBI, on Manafort, Page, and Papadopoulos, but not on Flynn. They wait till August 16th. Not only does Halper surface the next day, but look at what else surfaces. A dossier by Dear Love's buddy, Christopher Steele. Look at the date on this sucker. And magically, look whose name appears in the August 10th dossier. Oh, Mike Flynn. 
And they allege that he's got that, 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 that the Kremlin is influencing and engaging with Flynn and funding their visits. Oh, big trouble. Magically appears on August 10th. Look at the date. Mm -hmm. 10 August 2016. So we know the UK is involved in some back channel of illicit intelligence weaponized intelligence to target Obama's political enemies. Flynn is sounding the alarm on a lot of that. Flynn becomes a target. The FBI opens up a case. On August 10th, they open up a case against everybody but Flynn. And magically, on the same day and a day later, the same back channel Flynn is sounding the alarm on, this British back channel of weaponized intelligence, a Brit, dear love, who's friendly with Halper, Halper shows up the next day to brief the FBI and a dossier from Dear Love's other buddy, Steele, shows up on August 10th, implicating Mike Flynn. All chance, folks, I'm sure. All a big, what do we say in the show? Kawinky dink. Oh, oh. I'm going to get to the text in a minute. I, one more sponsor. But wait till I show you what's coming up next. Because the CIA duped the Bureau. And they loved every minute of it. <laughs> Hat tip 279 for this one coming up next. But this is a doozy. All right, our final sponsor of the day, Policy Genius. Ladies and gentlemen, we are terrible at predicting the future. We know that. Come on, have you ever tried to do that? We thought we'd have flying cars by now. Not going to happen. The truth is we'll always get the future wrong, which is why we need to get our life insurance right. You insure everything in your life that matters. Insure your life. Life insurance. That's where Policy Genius can help. So easy to use. Ladies and gentlemen, in minutes, you can compare quotes from top insurers to find your best price. This is really important. You got your family to worry about life insurance. You need it super easy to use, too. You don't want to be hunting around all day on the internet. You want to save money and save time? Well, you could save $1,500 or more a year by using Policy Genius to compare life insurance policies. Once you apply the Policy Genius team, they are excellent. I vouch for them here. They are excellent. The Policy Genius team will handle all the paperwork and the red tape for you. And Policy Genius doesn't just make life insurance easy. They can also help you find the right home, auto insurance, or disability insurance too. I trust Policy Genius. So should you. So if your science fiction dreams for 2020 still haven't become science fact, don't get discouraged. Get life insurance. It takes just a few minutes to find your best price and apply at policygenius.com. Policygenius.com will always get the future wrong. Get life insurance right and other insurance right today. Policygenius.com. Go check them out. Tell them the Dan Bongino Show sent you. We really appreciate your support of our sponsors. That means a lot to me. Seriously, thank you very much. Okay. So you get the premise here. Someone wanted Flynn taken out as early as 2014. I believe it was Brennan and his CIA and the Obama team because they knew this guy was big trouble. And when Trump hired him in an election, they didn't think they were going to lose. Mm -hmm. It was really really big trouble. The question becomes if they had nothing on Flynn, the FBI, because they didn't open up the case on August 10th, even though it was about Flynn. I'm telling you, this whole thing's about Flynn the whole time. The CIA wants the FBI to open up these spying cases to take out Flynn because they're worried Flynn is going to talk about all the weaponization of intelligence. Right. How was it that the FBI opened up these cases knowing they were eventually going to have to swear to information in court? That was true. How did they get duped? Well, the answer is they got willingly duped. I've been telling you forever, and I think we're the only show talking about it. If I'm wrong, I stand corrected. I'm not trying to get ahead of anyone else. 
But an operating thesis of this show for a long time has been the CIA under John John Brennan's guidance clearly misled the FBI through Harry Reid about what their basis for pushing them to open up an investigation into Russian collusion was. They were telling the FBI in one simple nugget and takeaway, we have a source telling us Trump's colluding with the Russians. It's serious. You guys need to look into it. It wasn't serious. It was the Steel Halper Dear Love back channel, and they lied about it. Mm-hmm. Why? Why lie about it? Because the information was false. The dossier was false. The allegations about Lakova and Flynn at the 2014 dinner were false. It was all false. But they lied about it, making it seem like it had come from a credible source, thinking the FBI would take it seriously. So then also, when Halper, the spy working with the FBI later, shows up at the FBI office to talk about this Russian collusion, Keep in mind, ladies and gentlemen, the Bureau doesn't know this is coming from Halper, the CIA tips, that is. Mm -hmm. I know this is complicated, and my deepest apologies, but gosh, it is so important. Book three will hammer this. The FBI doesn't know Halper is working with the CIA. They don't know. Okay. They're hearing it from Halper in this August 11th briefing where he's like, Flynn, he was at this dinner and we think he was fooling around with this Russian born academic. Oh, collusion. And they're like, oh my gosh, we heard this same stuff from politicians in the CIA. It's got, it's verified now, Joe, it's got to be real. Right. Right. Well, I've showed you a million times. I'm going to show it again, but Mm -hmm. Lisa Page's testimony, an FBI lawyer working on the case on Capitol Hill with Mark Meadows, where Mark Meadows asks her specifically, were you aware that this same channel that fed you guys the information was also giving it to the CIA. And she says, no, that would be very unusual. I'm telling you, she's not lying. They think Halper's confirming what they've heard from the CIA when Halper's only confirming what he already told the CIA. How I miss this text from one of my sources is just unforgivable. You need further evidence that the FBI got duped, but wanted to get duped. McCabe hated Flynn. In other words, they may have sensed something was up, but they ignored the warning signs. Mm -hmm. Look at this magic text. And I mean magic for all the wrong reasons. This is a Peter Stroke, Lisa Page text. I'm going to read it and translate it for you. He says to check email, keep in mind, this is, I'm reading this verbatim how he texts it. So it's not me messing up the English here. He says, stroke to Lisa Page. Stroke is the lead FBI investigator. He says, we got the reporting on September 19th. He's talking about the steel reporting. That's the date the FBI still publicly alleges they got the dossier. So he says, we, this is him, te- this is not opens, this is him texting. There's no reason for him to lie. He's texting his girlfriend. He doesn't know we're going to be reading this later. He says, we got the reporting on September 19th. Looks like the word is redacted. So he's saying, looks like someone got it in early August. The name's redacted. Wow, isn't that suspicious? Looking at, again, it's redacted. Their replies to me, it's not clear if he knows if or when he told them. But blank and blank, it's redacted. Talked with blank, redacted. They're both good and will remember. Listen to this line. 
It's not about rubbing their nose in it. I don't care if they don't know. I just want to know who's playing games and is scared and is covering. I totally get it will never be provable. (laughs) How did I miss this? Yeah, gavel on my melon. How did the verdict is in? You screwed this. How did I miss that? That's been sitting in my inbox forever. That's my whole theory proved right there. Let me translate that for you. Stroke has been told, the lead FBI investigator, that they didn't get the dossier till September 19th, the Steele stuff. He's telling his girlfriend in a text, uh, let me just fill in the blanks for you. BS, the CIA had this stuff as early as August, and now we know it. They're leaking to the media. But don't worry, I'm not going to rub their nose in it because none of that's provable anyway. It's right there. (laughs) How did I miss this? The verdict is in. I missed it. How did I miss that? I didn't miss the the theory's right, but the proof was right there. They were BSing the whole time, the FBI and the, the, excuse me, the CIA and the Bureau didn't even care. Stroke knows they're being BSed. He sees the red flags. He sees the media leaks coming in. He believes the CIA's leaking. He suspects the information they're getting from Halper through the Dear Love channel, through Steele, all the same channel. This UK connection CNN writes about. He suspects the CIA had it in early August. They had it earlier. And that they're lying to them. That they're saying it's from someone else. It's from other kids. But now do you see why Lisa Page is not lying in her testimony? They had suspicions they thought would be unusual. But instead of doing the right thing and saying, hey, guys, I got bad news. We just opened up a FISA spying case based on information from a source we thought was corroborating another source, but it's the same source. I think the CIA is duping us. Instead of doing the right thing, they did the easy thing and they attacked their political opponents. Mike Flynn, biggest scandal in U.S. history. The CIA targeting a decorated lieutenant general in our military who was getting ready to pull the curtain on the wizard, show everyone what Obama had done and the intel community had done in our names. They target him from 2014 on. They then start a spygate spying scandal. And because the CIA has no arrest powers, they use their political friends, Harry Reid, to get the FBI to open a case on Flynn, lying the entire time about where they're getting the information to open the case on. And then sending the same people the CIA got the information from to the FBI to appear like they're verifying the information the CIA is lying about to start the case in the first place. Holy mm, mm, mm. amazing. Trying to find number three. What was number three? Were we going to? Oh, okay. All right. Listen, that was a lot. So I want you to kind of. Yeah, that was. Sit on that one. Did it make sense? Yeah. You think so? Joe? Yeah, yeah. I didn't have trouble. I didn't have trouble following it. Okay, good. And again, folks, my apologies. You you can always listen. That's the great part about a podcast, not live radio, so you can listen to it um, again. But I need you to understand that it's just a lot of information. It is. It's it's a ton. It's a ton. But I think now that text, how I missed that. I'm. I'm. It's been sitting in my. I had it too. 
And the thing is, there's so much information that comes in. It just gets lost over. I've been using that Lisa Page testimony when the text is right there in front of her eyes. So I think we could put a cherry on top of that. All right. Um, I want to show you this video to end the show today of, an, of a, a, just a, a guy who can't get, I mean, foot, mouth. I mean, he's going to need to surgically remove his foot from his mouth. Again, going back to the beginning of the show, talking about Mike Bloomberg again, who new rules, not allowed to be a billionaire. Yep. You're definitely not allowed to talk uh, in, in racially coded terms like that. 100%. Not allowed. They right. have rules. They don't want it. Forget it. So he's out. Totally insensitive buffoon. By the way, he's talking about farmers again. Total joke. But here's Mike Bloomberg in a little small group of uh, voters. And he's talking about, you know what? Let me just play my, it's about medicine. And here's another Obama. Just take the pill and die as quick as you can moment. This is Bloomberg, billionaire who never has to worry about that. Check this out, and I'll talk about it on the other end. And what things they can fix right away. You know, if you're bleeding, they'll stop the bleeding. If you need an x-ray, you're going to have to wait. That's just... And all of these costs keep going up. Nobody wants to pay any more money. And at the rate we're going, health care is going to bankrupt us. So not only do we have a problem, it's going to bankrupt us. And we've got to sit here and say which things we're going to do and which things we're not. Nobody wants to do that. You know, if you show up, with prostate cancer, and you're 95 years old, we should say, go and enjoy, have a nice spoon, lead a long life. There's no cure, and you can't do it. If you're a young person, we should do something about it. Society's not willing to do that yet. So we're going to bankrupt us. Hat tip at cancel underscore Sam, their Twitter account for that video. Do you get that? Yeah. So if you're 95 years old, like my grandmother, who lived years after her 95th birthday, by the way, God rest her soul, who I loved very much. If you're 95, Joe, and you have prostate cancer, and you're a man, obviously, mm -hmm. and you walk into the hospital, Bloomberg's saying, throw them right out. Say, hey, Bloomberg's, not mine, his words, you've lived a good life. Now go die. Uh, you, she's laughing. Did you not just hear that? That's what he said. Now the you go die part is an addition by me, to be fair. But well, the, you've lived a good life, sayonara, you just heard him. Ladies and gentlemen, what he's talking about, do you understand this? He's the moderate. Is the forced rationing at the penalty of death, literally, mm -hmm. of healthcare. You have scarce resources in an economy. I've said this thousands of times on my show, right? Everything's scarce. Water, food, services, time, a doctor's time. What are the two ways to allocate them? You can ration them like they do in uh, communism. Or you can price them like they do in capitalism. And when they do it in communism, they ration them according to their political friends, military folks and the uh, politically connected. Or you can price them in the United States where you can work and through your own freedom acquire these scarce resources. That's the only two. There's no other way to acquire resources. You can get them through rationing or through pricing. There is no third way. None. You may argue you could steal them, but that's, I, I would argue that's communism anyway, because they steal them from you. Yeah. So Bloomberg is talking about the forced rationing of health care and suggesting that government should ration it at the penalty of your death simply because you're older. Now, for those of you lunatics who think this is reasonable, 
I'm, can I just give you an analogy here? Because I understand there's, believe it or not, not the people in my audience, but I'm encouraging you how to argue with your liberal friends on this. Get away from the healthcare analogy for a minute. Because when it comes to healthcare, Democrats own the argument using emotion. Let's make Bloomberg's argument about another service. Lawyers, legal services, right? Yeah, all right. Forget healthcare for a minute. What if Bloomberg was on tape saying, so you're falsely arrested at 95 for a crime you didn't commit. You know what? You go into the lawyer. We spend oh. too much on legal services in this country. You sit down with the lawyer and the lawyer should just tell you, listen, you're 95. You've led a good life. Just go to jail. We shouldn't be wasting any of our scarce resources on your law defense, right? You'd be BS. You know, right now, liberals, listen, you'd be like, that's horrifying, Dan. How dare you suggest that? It is horrifying. But you're not dead because of it. You're only in jail. Oh, got you now. Got you now, don't we? Liberals panicking everywhere. So you're suggesting for health care. Costs about roughly the same. Lawyers, doctors. I mean, not exact. I, legal services can be expensive. You're suggesting for health care that we shouldn't ration legal services, even though the penalty, you could still get off, even if you defend yourself. The penalty is maybe some jail time, but you'd still be alive. You're suggesting rationing other services, healthcare, where the penalty is literally death. Got you on that one, didn't we? I want you to argue with your liberal friends that way. Oh, you want to ration healthcare? What else are we going to ration? Water, food, what's next? No, no, we can't ration water. Why not? Food is expensive. Society, society collectively spends a lot on food. Should we ration that too? Hey, you're 95. You don't need food. These farmers are working hard. Why should they feed you? You should just go off and die. You're 95. Food, someone's got to work for that food. What, you mean like the 95-year-old worked their entire lives? You mean like the 95-year-old who stormed the beaches of, of Normandy to defend your sorry liberal ass so you could still live in freedom? You mean that 95-year-old who worked in smokestacks before they had OSHA, who worked in a coal mine and has black lung? You mean that 95-year-old? Yeah, I mean that 95-year-old. I got news for you, Snowflakes. That 95-year-old is 10 times the man or woman you'll ever be. Ever be. Even when you're 95. Thanks again for tuning in, folks. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Bongino. Really appreciate it. We're trying to get the 400,000 subscriptions. We're almost there. It's all free. You don't have to pay for anything, of course, but uh, the video adds an extra component to the show. We really appreciate your support. Thanks a lot. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud and follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.